The Pace Line is a production of the Cycling Independent, a reader and listener-supported cycling-focused website where every bike is a good bike. And if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm your host, Patrick Brady, and each week we look at how cycling fits in our lives. This week is a tandem episode. My guest is Isaac Howe, the CEO of the company Orocase. The company is known primarily for its bike travel cases, but they are branching out into new products. I've known Isaac for a few years now and have admired the company's approach to travel with bikes. And I thought of him when the trade publication Bicycle Retailer and Industry News reported that cyclists traveling with Southwest Airlines had experienced inconsistent application of their policies and charges. I've known that Oracase's approach to travel with bikes was to minimize the size and weight of the case to eliminate the typical bike charge. With many of us beginning to plan our vacations for next summer, I figured I'd bring him on the show to talk travel with bikes. Without further ado, here's my interview with Isaac Howe. Isaac Howe, Orocase. Dude, it's so nice to talk to you. Uh, it's been, what, uh, not quite a year since I last saw you at Sea Otter. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Sea Otter, just a few minutes in passing. I know you were rushed, but uh, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on and to be able to spend even more time chatting about things. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you because yesterday um, on the trade publication of record for the bike industry, Bicycle Retailer, there was a story about how Southwest was implementing their own bike travel uh, restrictions and fees and whatnot in an inconsistent way. The the story that really st- stuck out to me was somebody, a triathlete had flown some somewhere for a triathlon, participated in said triathlon. And then when they went to fly home, uh, the, the person there, uh, at, you know, the agent, uh, accepting all the baggage said, no, you're not flying with that. Um, and so they had to find another way to ship their bike home, you know, with like 20 minutes left before their flight, which is a nightmare that I wouldn't wish on anyone. Uh, and I thought, you know, there are better ways to go about this. Uh, not everybody, of course, is going to do what I did, which is buy a frame that can be broken to, into two pieces and fit in a uh, non-oversized case. But you and your partner have now, well, okay, let's stop. How old is Oral Case at this point? <laughs> we started uh, in the heyday of my cycling career in 2012. Uh, yeah, so yeah, quite quite 12 years ago. Wow, I I really hadn't realized it was that long ago. Uh, yeah, it was it was start, it was we were we flew under the radar uh, in many different ways for a long time. <laughs> uh, you know, both deliberately and uh, 
you know, deliberate and and unintentionally, uh, both because of, you know, not trying to gain too much, you know, attention. It was something that was largely sold word of mouth at Mm -hmm. first, but, uh, Mm -hmm. but also because of our complete incompetency when it came to marketing and anything outside of, you know, in, in, in all of the foundational fundamental things of growing a business, you know, we were just you know, a bunch of bike racers. Right. Uh, you were a pro bike racer. Um, and so necessity being the mother of invention, uh, you wanted a better way to travel with your bike. Um, I first heard of you through a mutual friend of ours, who I think we are sort of obligated to mention, James Winchester. Uh, he was telling me about you guys for a couple of years before we actually met. Um, James and I had in common suffering from depression. And, uh, I guess we have to acknowledge that James is no longer with us. Uh, he did succumb to his depression, but, uh, among his lasting legacies are, uh, our friendship. Um, and my, uh, acquaintance with your uh, business. <sighs> yeah, you got get me to tear up too. Beginning of the, the call, it's uh, it's hard things to think about, but there's a lot of positive things that came from that connection. Yeah. So uh, going back to 2012, you know, give us a little bit of the picture of how you got started, um, and you know. Yes, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, but it's a heck of a thing to think I'm going to make a bike case. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you're I mean, I think, you know, uh, in, you know, my elevator pitch for the company, uh, I talk, you know, yeah, it was a it was a product. It's a company. You know, we started as a product, but we, you know, turned into a company. You know, I don't I don't think that one good product is what makes a company. But mm-hmm. uh, the Airport Ninja being our first product, and we called ourselves Orcase, it was born entirely out of our own necessity as athletes. I mean, uh, I was a professional road cyclist, and I was, you know, early in my career, but I had had some no- notoriety, you know, but I was still living off of like an unlivable wage. Um, and, you know, my my team like had mismanaged their funding, and they left us partway through the year without getting any, you know, without getting our paychecks. Um you know, and and then and not getting our paychecks and not sending us to bike races, and it's it was very common as a rider to like, you know, you need to front the fee up front for a bike fee. Like they'll pay for your flights, your hotels, your travel, all that stuff, your bike race, your fee, all that. But then you still need to sh- you need to shoulder that like two hundred, you know, to three hundred dollar bike fee, and then hope you got reimbursed at the end of the month. You know, and so and th- those 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 really added up. I mean, you like five hundred dollars for a weekend you flying four weeks or three or four weekends a month, you got oftentimes for me at the time, uh, more than twice my stipend in, in baggage fees, you know? Mm. And so, you know, like the, the real impetus though, to actually take action, uh, started, you know, I say my team had mismanaged their funds and it was, uh, like they stopped paying us in August. And, uh, like by coincidence, I had been pretty high up in the USA crit series that year. I had won it, you know, a couple the year prior, or a couple of years prior, and, uh, and, and I really needed the prize money that I got if I had gone to the finals. So I managed to talk my way into getting the race to like pay for my flight and my hotel fees and all those things. But the only thing they couldn't pay for, it was the baggage fee to get my bike on the plane, you know? And so, uh, and I, but at, at the time, like, like I said, I, I was down to literally, I had $50 in my bank account 
And, uh, <sighs> and so and there was no way like I could use the, the bike case that they had given me to get onto the plane, you know, and I had been, you know, brainstorming these sorts of ideas and things like that uh, on how to make a bike case that might, you know, just check as a regular bag with with my riding buddies for some time. But but I'd never actually done anything about it. And and this was kind of a like I said, like a, a necessity, like I absolutely had to get to the race and I and I only had 50 bucks. So I just, you know, not as a as sort of a self-starting guy, I just, you know, I had taken a home that course. I went to the store. I bought some ca- some canvas, a uh, camp pad from Walmart, and then like some plywood. And I just like used my girlfriend's at the time's sewing machine and some thread that she had for making like stockings the year prior uh, to like construct this bike case and uh, this, this monstrosity of something, you know. And I ultimately used it to get to the race. Uh, it worked, which was I thought the biggest victory. Uh, but ultimately, the biggest victory happened for me, like you know, the next morning in the lobby when, you know, uh, a prominent world tour director, uh, made kind of poked fun at my bag. And that made me, you know, added to my insecurity about it. But then like two seconds later, somebody else was like, what is that dude? He's like, I'll buy one from you. That's crazy. I'll, I'll get that. And so from that, <laughs> I saw an opportunity. I was like, well, shit. I mean, I spend, you know, like, you know, four to six hours or whatever a day in my life, whether I'm training and doing all the things to be a better athlete, I'll spend the rest of my time selling these things and, uh, you know, and making, making them for my peers. And, and, and I use my platform, you know, within the, you know, my platform as an athlete to sort of like sell them to other people in the call-ups at the front of bike races, <laughs> you know? And so it wasn't like it, it didn't really like start with much foresight or, or, or strategy beyond that. You know, like I just like, wa- like I, I wanted to ease of financial challenges, you know, that made pursuing like my passion, you know, in, uh, you know, more difficult. And like, as the, you know, as the years passed, you know, uh, like, you know, I, I guess I started spending you know, my time off of the bike, you know, the, excuse me, the time that I was spending off of the bike after training to build these cases over time, it became, you know, something that started to like eat into my time that I should have spent training, you know, and like, and, 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 you know, and like racing is kind of a weird being a pro cyclist or pro athlete in general, I guess it's kind of a weird profession because it's like, it's, it's something, you know, that, you know, going into it has a expiration, you know, you know, the, like there's a period where it's going to, and, and so, you know, like I started to just like fall in love with the, in, the kind of infinite different challenges I was facing and sort of trying to grow my company And, uh, you know, I guess like when I think about it, I mean, I guess I started to, I really like fell in love with growing my company in a similar way to what led me to falling in love with cycling. And, and, and then as you know, the, 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 the kind of imminent sort of deadline, I'd say for being an athlete started to wane on me, I realized that I needed to start putting, turning more of my focuses toward this new thing. And, uh, and that was, and that was our case. Very cool. You know, and that brings me, you touched on a couple of points around this. Uh, that brings me to my next question, which is that, you know, launching any business always requires you to learn things that you weren't planning to learn and may not even be interested in learning. So you end up gaining expertise in ways you didn't expect. And on occasion, those things really become core competencies. In my case, I never wanted to be a copy editor. That is not a sexy job. 
But I had this desire to turn in really clean copy to my editors. I wanted them to respect my work. And so I learned how to copy edit my own work. And I'm very curious to understand what is it you became good at, good enough in it that you now take pride in that expertise? Yeah, you know, in the, I guess it's kind of hard because it's sort of like a, making a weakness a strength kind of thing i feel like i'm like back at my (laughs) my college acceptance essays uh but it's a hard question to answer i mean but i think like like most decent analogies i can make in my life now like i i'll have to talk about it through a lens of like things i learned through cycling uh you know so like like i attribute a lot of the ways that i rose in cycling uh to uh to basically you know, like as an athlete, like I felt like a lot of my peers used to focus on their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Like when we we're trying to get better, a lot of people focus on their weakness. Oh, I'm not good at climbing or I'm not good at sprinting. I'm going to go do more of that. I did the exact opposite. Uh, like I was like, oh, I'm actually good at sprinting. You know, like I'm just going to go do more of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I learned how to sharpen those skills at a really young age. Then the other thing I think is that like I've really always just been I've, I was raised in a way uh, without means and without my family didn't have means I always had to make or do or build or find a way to get whatever it was that I wanted. And, and I think that I realized at a young, young age too, that like my biggest opportunities as an athlete came when I was like, when I very deliberately asked for nothing more than a Jersey and an opportunity to prove myself. Uh, and, and, and then, and, you know, and like, and so like my first year as a bike racer, I got my opportunities to, to become a pro just by saying like, look, I don't want anything. I just want a Jersey and a chance to prove myself. And, uh, and with Orcase, like in the last 12 years, I feel like I've grown a lot as a person in that way. And I've tried to, um, you know, like, like, I think I'll think a lot of that person as I was back then was driven by an ego that was led from insecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I never really wanted to like confront the things that I wasn't good at. And, uh, I was so afraid of just being bad at something. And I feel like Oracase has given me an opportunity to, uh, lean hard into my strengths as a person, uh, you know, with a strong vision for the future. That's something that I think that I really am good at at bringing toward the brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, while also like learning how to accept that I'm not good at everything. And that was something that I never really faced when I was a rider. Like it's, it's given me the opportunity, like as a team leader, uh, it's given me an opportunity as a team leader, uh, that, you know, like my, ne- my ego never let me have as an athlete, like, and I've had, and I've, and like through Oracase, I feel like I'm able to, you know, celebrate the unique strengths that my employees have and my people that I have within there, you know, as being the driving force between behind the success of our brand while still allowing me to leverage like my strength and vision. And it's, it's fun. And I, and I like that because like, I, I never, I got, I was very defensive and it was hard for me as a bike racer to accept that I wasn't the best or that I wasn't good at everything I did. And now I've learned through order case that, that like, that's the thing that actually leads me to find success is by not being good at everything and by celebrating the things that my teammates are actually good at. Mm. And, and, and that, and, and, I, and it's allowed me to actually identify and become better at the things that I am good at, which in, in terms of like seeing this vision for my brand in our future. Mm. Mm. Okay. Very cool. Next up, 
there aren't many companies that have ever chosen to focus their product line on travel with bikes that have lasted very long. I've seen a bunch flame out over the years, maybe because the products weren't all that good either. Uh, but Orocase has proven to have real staying power, partly because you continue to innovate. When I look at your product line, it strikes me that you're never trying to solve just one problem. You're looking at the cost of travel, the materials that are used, reusability, ease of use, and more. I'm curious because you've got obviously multiple priorities. How do you order those priorities and how does that inform your sense of innovation? Sorry, yeah, that you was know, a mouthful. I don't, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a hard it's a hard it's a, like it's a hard thing to answer. Like, that, like all your questions, you know, they're th- they're very thought provoking. So, uh, you know, it's like I'm not sure really why other brands have had a hard time, and I and I can't turn to too many examples from the past because I, you know, wasn't really paying attention then, you know, like I was, like I was just focusing on riding bikes and, um, but cause I feel like, I feel like the bike travel case sector of the cycling space is like the perfect niche. It's a niche within a niche, but it's, and it's a, it's a niche that has had almost zero innovation uh, since in the last 20 years. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to point out to any examples or anything, you know, any, you know, trying to be disparaging toward anybody, but like the same travel cases that I used in the early 2000s are still being bought and purchased and used today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't think that that's a reflection of the quality of those designs. Then, uh, I think that it's just a complacency from the brands and I, and it's created because it had, I mean, literally had any brand recognized that existing brand with, with namestay in tr- 2012, recognized what we were doing and the value that it brought to people. And that if they had created a lookalike product, we would have disappeared mm-hmm. because we didn't have the supply chains. We didn't have the, we didn't have anything, you know, that we were, we were making each one of these products by hand. Like we hand sewed the first thousand bike cases starting in my garage, my, my loft, going to a garage, to a bigger garage, to a two car garage each time, <laughs> you know, doing them ourselves super inefficiently, learning how to market, learn all these things. But, if anybody had just recognized that we were quietly outselling, you know, major brands with these products that were serving the needs of, of other people and that, that, you know, real users, then we wouldn't have been there. So I, I thought it was a great opportunity because we quietly carved out a huge space within the cycling travel industry. And now, you know, we're still occupying a niche within a niche within a niche, making a compact travel case. You know, that's, that's just not for everybody, but everybody knows about us now in the travel case industry because we have a reputation behind our brand too, you know, like, and, and I, and I don't think that we really had a ton of strategy when it came to, uh, like how we, you know, how we, uh, were informed, you know, as to like how to lead within the business. I think, you know, personally, I didn't know how to sell, you know, so when I was having to make these things, I was deeply concerned with like making something that would live up to the needs of people. So I, I triple stitched everything. <laughs> like I was just like, well, what I can't make up for in, you know, aesthetic qualities and design and stuff like that, it, I, I'll make up for in durability. And, and, you know, in durability, ultimately, when we surveyed our customers after a few years, when we realized you should do that, we realized <laughs> that one of the reasons that people buy from us is that because our products are durable and it became one of our core focuses. You know, we build 
we build gear that's, you know, built or excuse me, we build gear that's made to last a lifetime. And like, mm-hmm. that's become a, like a focal part of our identity, you know, like, but, but that said, like, you know, the products we make are like just an expression of like what matters most to us. Like, uh, you know, I personally reject fast fashion. I reject junk. Uh, like I just, I see, I see like most people, like other people of my age, what, like what we're doing to the world. And I'm <laughs> deeply concerned about like the impact that I leave on it. You know, like when I was in college, I wanted to be a, become a doctor. Like mm-hmm. I, I wanted to piece together people's broken bodies the way that doctors piece together mine when I would fall during racing. You know, I thought that I could leave my lasting pressure on the world through the individuals that I could help. Like as you know, that's the beautiful thing about being a doctor, like in how, what they did for me. And I said, like, you know, like or case, you know, after cycling, you know, it changed my path and that wasn't the reality, but like, I guess like it doesn't, it sounds sort of cheesy, but like, I see the bigger purpose in what I'm doing at Oracase uh, is is much bigger than just like designing and carrying bags that people use to carry their things. Like we're in the business of like engineering experiences for people. Like, and I, you know, like I seek to, I guess I seek to like solve the problems that we faced as athletes uh, while, uh, you know, doing best for the people that, you know, for, for our people that we serve and for our environment and, uh, and, and just never being complacent with the status quo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the reasons your product line has appealed to me so much. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of disposable. Um, I want stuff that I can take care of and will last a long time. Uh, when I look at your product line, two things jump out at me. First, you're certainly trying to make, uh, travel with a bike easier. Um, and that alone is probably the big reason why more people don't do it. But second, I see that your products are designed in a way to make life easier for the airlines as well. And after all, Travel becomes easier for your customer if when they present their bike packed in an oral case uh, to the airline, if the airline doesn't bitch about its size or how hard it is to manage. And so I'm curious what informs that perspective besides <laughs> necessity. Oh, I got to take a sip of coffee because... <laughs> <laughs> I, like I will not use any curse words. Uh, when I when I started Oracase, yeah, I will. I I still I just don't give a damn about the airlines or what they thought. You know, like I when I realized that I could make a company out of Oracase, I was in the business of ripping airlines off. You know, like it was a retaliation for the millions of dollars that they stole from good people. I felt like, like, you know, stole from good people, like my customers every Mm -hmm. year, you know, like, you know, we stopped tallying, uh, how much bike fees we saved people in, uh, I think, you know, around the pandemic when we thought the world was ending. Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) to that point we had saved $15 million in bike fees since starting the business. And, you know, like my, my perspective has changed a lot since then. Uh, but 
you know, like my, my number one focus is still, you know, more on my customers and how to serve their needs than it is about anything the airlines say. You know, like let's pause a second. I got to ask you, I'm going to jump in and sorry for cutting you off. But since we probably have a lot of listeners who aren't all that familiar with your product line, um, explain how it is you're saving people uh, those dollars. I mean, yeah, yeah. What's so, the, what's the central yeah, I trick? Tr- I could have I could have uh, should have uh, focused on that, on, you know, the the sort of origin elements to the business. But we started this business to because you know airlines you know you would we we called it being an airport ninja and that's where our first product gets its name an airport ninja is somebody who can sneak their bike into the air into the onto the airplane and to avoid any excess baggage fees for being a bike like you know pre-2019 airlines would charge you exorbitant bike fees just for it being a bike Mm -hmm. they didn't even care and they didn't even care what it was, how big it was, how much it weighed. It was just like you could fly, you know, you could fly to Hawaii with a surfboard and it was free mm-hmm. because it made the airline money because you could, you know, because, they, you know, they knew more people would fly their airline if they would allow them to fly the surfboard. So they did that. But if it was a bike. It was cost money, cost $200. But if it was golf clubs, it was free. Mm-hmm. Politics within that were ridiculous. And it was outraging as somebody who's making no money and just trying to just trying to do their best to, like, pursue their their passion. You know, so I got great joy from ripping them off. Like we made a bike case that was under under the airline limits. It was it was actually 62 inches. Mm-hmm. We'd since changed that with funky shapes and different demand. It's like a prism. Our, our bike case It's a prism. It measures 62 inches because of its dimensions. But it is actually more than that if you really measure it. But it's the o- but it's the only way that you can get, you know, the range of sizes of bikes into something that's very compact and small. Um, and so we designed this bike case again, all to, to just serve our needs and to sit, fit our needs as athletes. We needed it to be compact to avoid bike fees, but we also needed it to fold up and be small because a lot of us were living on studio apartments in New York city or like small places where you didn't have a two car garage to store your bike case. So, mm-hmm. so that's where the, that's where the origin of Oreo case comes from is that all of our cases fold up like an origami to fold into something really, really small. And there's, 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 there's very precise, you know, folds and pleats within our material that allows the product to store in like a, you know, probably a fifth, a quarter of a fifth of the space of it is when it's built up. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the, you know, I, I, I'd say that's the innovation there. That's the, uh, that's the product in, in the sort of inception of the brand stems from, you know, just, uh, trying to skirt around bike fees and trying to create a product that, you know, made it easier for us as athletes to be able to keep doing what it is that we were trying to do. Very cool. Uh, and now where were we prior to the part of that? <laughs> yeah, well, we were, we were just talking about like, you know, you had asked me about, you know, like the airlines and about kind of what like, you know, informs our perspective on stuff. <laughs> and, you know, for me, it's about like, I think what informs my perspective and I, you know, I thought about this a bit and I feel like it really comes from my experience as a racer, mm-hmm. you know, like when I distill down the essence of my cycling career, I don't ever remember my, the times I like raised my hands across the finish line or like stood up on a podium. It's, it was, it was never about that. Like I remember, I remember 
uh, most fond memories I have. And I, I, I mean, <laughs> the one that always comes to mind is like standing on some random street corner and some in Jiangxi province, which is something place where I don't think most people will know in China, uh, like eating in a, in a line, trying to get frog legs, drinking a Qingdao in the street, practicing Chinese with some random dude, some random, random experience <laughs> that like, it seems so inconsequential from the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. But, but like, but that experience has lasted with me. And like, uh, and I think that those are the memories that like left a lasting impression on me and has informed like my, my, my perspective on the world today. Uh, and, and those, and it's in like, I'm in the business of like trying to make it easier for people to be able to have these adventures that lead to these experiences that help shape their worldview. You know, like it's not, it's not about like riding, like about bringing your bike on a plane. There's, there's just, there's tons of companies that can do that for you. That's, that's like not a hard thing to do at all. Like what I think is that it's really difficult to know like when you're going to have an experience that, that's going to be the thing that lasts with you for the rest of your life. And the best way to do that is to, to, to find those, have those memories and have those experiences to do it more often and to have fewer like uh, doubts that might, might stop you from doing it, you know, stop you from bringing your bike. Like if, like there's just so many barriers that are in place with riding, with bringing your bike places, whether or not, you know, these back then it was bike fees, but now it's, it's not about bike fees anymore. Most, most major airlines don't charge you for a bike being oversized. They charge you for weight, you know? Mm-hmm. And so our case coincidentally is half the weight of, you know, it's 15 pounds. So you can fly with a mountain bike on our case and you don't pay the bike fee. Any other any other bike case, you're going to be paying a bike fee for it. So it's just a hidden expense, but that's a barrier that prevents people from doing it. And, exactly. And then, and, and, or, you know, also like, you know, the, the Uber fees getting from your house to the airport, you don't need an Uber Excel with our case. It fits in the back of a Camry, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. all of these different, the different steps throughout travel are just different barriers that might prevent people from wanting to overcome those things. I, I now am a parent. I, you know, have a daughter and, and like, and I think, just one extra bag, you know, like to carry, like we already have all her stuff or car seat, all that. If I had one giant case to wheel around with me in the airport, that might just be that extra barrier that prevents me from bringing my bike with me. And I'm in the business of trying to shoot down those barriers and make it easier for people to not justify not bringing their bike with them. Because it's only, I think, the best way to explore the world for me, the way I see the world, the way I see travel, adventure and stuff is through the lens of sports. The thing that gets my juices flowing, I love going, I love seeing, I love going to places to see the cultural things, but really what it is for me is getting outside and riding down the roads that nobody else gets to see. And I think that, uh, and that's the way that I am motivated by travel and I'm motivated by adventure. And the only way to do that is to be able to bring my bike with me when I go places. And so I'm in the business of trying to make that easier for people to do. And. Amen. You know, I remember uh, at some point that, uh, James said to me that one of the reasons he wanted to connect us was he loved my travel writing and I'm on the same page. I think the best way to see the world is from the saddle of a bike. And the best way to explore a new place is by taking your bike with you. Um, (laughs) yeah, like, I mean, I like, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, 
I, and it's like, as times passed, like, I feel like it's, you know, I mean, I'm looking at what's next for my business and like the way that, you know, the way that we, you know, cause it, it, I don't know, we, we don't, we like solving these problems. You know, I feel like there are, you know, all of these sorts of, uh, I mean, I, I look for new product opportunity through hacks. When somebody has a hack for mm-hmm. something, there's an opportunity mm-hmm. to innovate because mm-hmm. there's not, because why, you know, brands make you put, are, are make you just put up with these sorts of things and make you have to put up with the, with the status quo of things. And I feel like that creates opportunities for us to innovate. And I think that, um, and as I look at new spaces and as I figure out what's next for my brand, where we're going, I, I think of, you know, the, the, the essence of what unifies like us as traveling cyclists to like people who do other sports. It's, it is about those cultural experiences. It is about us being just these sports junkies that like love to have an excuse to go, you know, to go someplace else to be able to surf a new wave or to ski a new slope or something like the skiing's great here, you know, in, in Nevada. I love it, you know, in T- Tahoe and stuff. But I, you know, I still want to go skiing in Chamonix. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like the snow is not going to necessarily be any better there. But I'll tell you, like, it's going to be super cool. Like, you know, drinking beers on the top of some chalet or something like that. It's all about those experiences and the things that you can't. And, and I and I just like I think that that's the thing that unifies us all as as athletes and as adventure junkies is just like using the sport as an excuse to be able to travel to somewhere new. And uh, and I think about um, like what our brand does and how I see the future for my brand. And I think that uh, like I, I'm in the business of trying to help make it easier for people to have those experiences. <sighs> Amen. <sighs> We're what, 10 weeks out from Sea Otter? Yeah, dude. And hopefully... Hopefully this is finally the the la- the, th- the third and last time that we need to launch the Axiom at uh at Sea Otter. We've we've learned I mean, you know, we're I used to pretend and hide behind a veil of uh of sort of um when we were in our infancy, you know, you always pretended and tried to be bigger. You know, leverage uh you know, leverage what you have is your strength. You know, we were we tried to be bigger than we were and we leveraged that we were made in USA. Is like, you know, we thought that those, that's what we had, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and now, you know, I'm glad that we're a lot bigger than we were then, but I still think that we're really small, you know, we're still learning and we're, we're still, I'm like, what I'm 10 years into figuring out how to, how to do this. And I've, you know, built everything around me in order to make this. And, um, you know, I'm a biochemist. I'm not a, not a business guy. <laughs> and so we did our best in, uh, in, we, you know, we, we, we decided to stay in the compact travel case, which is a, a sector that we created in 2012. It didn't exist before that. Uh, and we stayed out of the full size tra- travel cases because it was uh, expensive to get into. <laughs> and, uh, and it was hard to think, and we took a while for us to figure out how to innovate in a way that could bring value to a space, uh, that the other solutions didn't already have, you know, and so, we found that in the axiom and, uh, and it's taken, you know, COVID slowed us down and all of these, all these barriers that we just didn't after accurately or, uh, wisely project around, you know, we always thought the product was six months away, but the axiom is our first new, pr- our first product into the full size travel case sector. Mm. And, uh, and it, and it maintains all of the same value propositions of our compact travel cases in a full size case. And unfortunately, we've had to launch. We launched it two years ago. We launched it last year. And uh, this year, you know, we actually 
you know, we got our, we got a full production sample just in the nick of time before Chinese New Year. And it's just like, wow, we're still, we're still a little behind than we thought, but we're just like going to happen at this sea otter. And I'm super excited for it. Um, I'm super excited to be able to, uh, have something that, um, I feel like is an, an innovation and an iteration on something that's more reflective of the travel, the, the travel, uh, or the needs of traveling cyclists today, you know, cause with the integrations and the, you know, of internal cables and all those things and disc brakes, like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's now a calculation. Like pe- more people are saying to us like, well, you know, like I love your products, but, but like, it's hard, man. Like, how do I take my handlebars off on my, on my, on my Canyon? You know, yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know how you do that. And they're like, well, uh, you know, like I like what you stand for, but I just, so we need to have a product for those people. And, uh, we're, we're really excited about the Axiom um, and and all of a bunch of these other fun things that we will be uh, showing at Sea Otter this year. Very cool. Isaac, thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to seeing you at Sea Otter uh, and we will get together and have some sushi in James Honor. Um, and uh, I think you and I are going to have to talk some more because I'm starting to want to travel more with my mountain bike. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Already, um, man. I yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for uh giving me a chance to be able to talk a little bit about my brand. Uh I, you know, great chatting with you. Yeah. Thanks. I want to thank our guest Isaac Howe of Orocase for joining me on the Paceline Tandem. You can learn more about Orocase at orocase.com. That's O-R-U-C-A-S-E dot com. There will be a link in our show notes. We will also include a link to the piece on Bicycle Retailer. That's a wrap for this show. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, I hope you'll leave a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we invite you to leave your feedback, opinions, and love notes at TCI.com. And hey, consider becoming a subscriber while you're there. We do what we do thanks to audience support. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady. Inviting you all to enjoy the ride. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.